Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds at doconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew P. And welcome to episode number 34, recorded live on October 12th. And joining us back this week is Jackie from the Do You Convert team. Yay! Hi, everyone. It's great to be back. Talk with you all. Fall is here. Fall is here. <laughs> well, what does fall mean in Florida? What is fall? Exactly. Yeah, what is fall? There is no there? fall. Well, up, There's up like there, hurricane you know, season. <laughs> I know, hurricane season ends and that's fall. But I mean, we're like 80 something today. Well, there's nothing. There's no real weather down here. But they'll, they'll get cooler up there. It's one of the few. It's probably the only time of the year I feel sorry for you guys. Yeah, there's what, no hurricanes. Yeah. Well, no, no. I was going to say the hurricanes. That's one thing I actually am yeah. like, oh, I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm glad I'm course. not down there for that. <laughs> I mean, the fall colors and you yeah. know, acorns dropping off and nope. kids are making collages with leaves and glue. Yes. And, yeah. No. Hot chocolate. It's not the same the dog. going to a pumpkin patch on an 80 degree day. <laughs> when you're sweating. Probably, do you guys pick up your pumpkins at the grocery store or do they have pumpkin? Do they have pumpkin? Yeah, do they? They'll, yeah, they'll bring in the pumpkins. We have pumpkins. We are, oh, I love are crazy it. down here. Yeah, but are, yeah. do you go out in the field and pick them or do you oh, they no. just show up? No, they'll, yeah, yeah they truck them in and like every church will have, not every church, but most churches on like a corner, if they're on the main street, they'll, yeah. they will typically be the places where they'll have okay. it all set up for pictures. But yeah, Jackie, you're right. It's like, you'll go out there and like, oh, let's put the kids out there. And right. it's like 90 degrees. They're sweating. They're like, I don't want to do this. It doesn't That's look like so fall true. whatsoever. Yeah. We don't I, have seasons. Let's move on to story time. Story time. Well, That's I feel hard. like the, the season is get rid of any standing inventory season. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, been, that has been our life more more often than not it is inventory that isn't selling on its own because of some other reason mm-hmm. right. um, because if it's priced right if it's the right spec all those things like it probably should sell on its own but if yeah. It's, yeah, it's either yeah. just that it's the end of the year is coming and they want to get as many closings as possible although we're getting close to the point where it doesn't matter if you sell it you know in december 1st is probably not closing before the end of the year but yeah. either either they just want to get the revenue in and have it done or you're absolutely right. They just something's up. Yeah. Something's up with it. So it's it's always fun seeing that. Like, why is that home 50,000 more (laughs) than the rest of them or or whatever the situation is, but either way, you know, we could, we can usually help solve that pain with just more promotion or more views Mm -hmm. on the home. And and it will at least be, that's the quickest thing that can be, that can be changed. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And in particular, Andrew, for builders who have a ton of inventory. So, you know, not everyone listening to this podcast may even build inventory or have it, so it may not all apply. But you know, for a builder that has eighty or a hundred even inventory homes across mm-hmm. one or two markets, mm-hmm. tell them a little bit about about how we're trying to help. Because yeah. on mobile, that can be even a great modern site. You know, if you've it's got daunting. seventy yeah. inventory homes, even if you've got a filter, it's just like I'm scrolling for days. Mm-hmm. You are, yeah, scrolling for days. That's that could be a hashtag or something. That's good. Right. Um, yeah. So what we're doing? So it's a Facebook ad highlighting all of the available inventory, just like I, you probably already have running. If you're listening to yeah. this and you have a hundred yeah. inventory homes, you probably have a hundred plus inventory homes from the two hundreds to three hundreds in the submarkets and markets that you're building in. The difference is then you send them to a landing page, which would feature say five to six mm-hmm. of yeah. the good ones. So the best it, of the best. Yeah. Not necessarily that they, because these haven't all sold, but maybe they just have great content or the pricing is mm-hmm. great or yeah, something about it's like, oh, 
That's really or even, nice. I was giving you to say pictures, even having pictures of pictures. the actual house itself. Or <laughs> Right. Yep. So we're, we're throwing that bait out there with the ad. We hook them. Now they're on the line on the landing page and they're even further like, oh, this builder definitely has to have something for me. Even though these aren't mm-hmm. what I'm looking for on the landing page, the, the best six, they're, they're still the best. I'm like, oh, this has to be you know good for me. So they'll... Yeah. With that setup, it appears what's going on in their mind, and then they click through to the website, and they're and already. It solves committed. a lot of problems that we already mm-hmm. we already talked about the scrolling and just uh, being overwhelmed by choice. But I think the other problem it solves is oftentimes if you're a builder that has that much inventory, mm-hmm. like ten of those hundred homes or maybe even fifteen are in one community or of one product type. And so when someone goes to that page, it is just dominating what they're like, oh my gosh, it looks Mm -hmm. like all this inventory is this one townhome unit because you just Mm -hmm. happen to to not be able to sell that one unit. And so this landing page that has no form on it um, is just giving them a chance to become familiar with the wide breadth. It's very similar to the email strategy generally that we use with partners Mm -hmm. as well. Um, But Seems to be doing doing a great job. Doing good. Helping. Yep, and it's yeah, it's like a click through page and like the nerdy side. Not nerdy. Everyone's nerdy here on Facebook. It is a <laughs> conversion campaign, and the conversion mm-hmm. it is going after is anyone that clicks any of the links on the landing page. Yeah. So it's yeah, finally tuning, finding which the right is going to take them in to look at that specific inventory right. home or all of them again. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. So awesome. it's it's going pretty good. Like really nice metrics. I think we're both mm-hmm. we're both surprised that. Just putting, it's almost like, why would that work? It's an extra step. Okay, so I, for years, have talked about, you know, new home selling season starts at the um, kickoff of the Super Bowl. And that Mm -hmm. started to, I think, I hear that eke out here and there, which is, which is fun. I think we should start a new one of when you see, start seeing pumpkin spice lattes, it's (laughs) get rid of your inventory time. That is good. I like it. That'd be another trigger, right? Because I saw pumpkin spice latte frosted flakes at the Mm. grocery store. And I thought. That sounds interesting. (laughs) That does sound interesting. (laughs) You're not going to miss that clue. Just like the Super Bowl is the biggest sports event. Pumpkin spice latte is definitely the biggest flavor event of the season. That's right. I'm looking up the Google trend on pumpkin spice latte right now. (laughs) Right. I think it's September when it comes out. I was going to even say starting now. I think it's end of August. I think it's end of August. Yeah, I think it is end of August. And then even just with inventory pushes starting now that it gives yourself plenty of time coming up to the busy spring season too. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I always go back to Pinterest, you know, keep sending these emails to us since we do some advertising with, with partners there too. Of you know, it was back in July. They're like, you better be talking about Thanksgiving because by the time the end of August this year, there people are looking at Christmas on Pinterest predominantly yeah. from oh a my. season standpoint. It's just so crazy. Yep, and I think too a lot of it, you know, with these with the, the the push itself is the fall savings aspects of it. I feel like you you have a little bit more you could play on with different incentives that you have mm-hmm. that could be a part of the inventory pushes. I, or if you get rid of them before. You need to do an incentive. Yeah, that's it's better, true. Right? Yeah, it's very true. Because right now, I mean, we've got 72-hour flash sales. We've got 40000 off. Yeah. You're, 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 yeah. It's a crowded yes. crowded market. It's getting mm-hmm. crazy just like, uh, just like retailers putting out Halloween candy in July, you, you know, oh, you're so going to start becoming more proactive earlier and earlier to avoid that, that crunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good point. That's right. That's right. Jackie, you're expecting a a little a little child soon. I am. Gremlin. Yes, and and so that brings me to my story. This, um, so I had my baby shower this past weekend, and as you can imagine, the months, weeks leading up to this, I had compiled my precious long list of must-have registry items. 
Mm-hmm. And like most first time parents, I think I'm, you know, I need everything under the sun. And so it kind of kicked off this extensive research on all the different brands, stroller, car seat bottles, and basically the best quality product I was going to be getting for the money I'm spending and its longevity. You're saying you became obsessed. I just, yes, it it kind of took over. (laughs) You know, you just, I compare this to my, to my bridal registry. I don't know why, but Strollers and plates are very different. I, I just, I, we registered and for the bridal stuff, we were done. The wedding took two hours to register for and walked out of the store. This, I don't know if it's just more so a lot of these are investment pieces for years to come. You know, you're, a lot of these things you're getting aren't the least expensive items and they're going to be for, you know, in my situation, hopefully more than just one, one child. And so, it's funny because I naturally think of this this process in general being similar to first time prospects looking at a variety of home builders. And like mm-hmm. them, I was so mm-hmm. overwhelmed by the amount of baby companies there are for every type of product too. In fact, I remember I, I got um, Jackie a gift and mm-hmm. I was going to order it from Amazon, like I, of course, right? Because it's got to be shipped anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I yes. thought I'll just I'll hop on Amazon. And Jackie knew, had done enough research that she didn't just know exactly what she wanted me to get her, but she was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to pick it up at Target because sometimes there's issues with them and I want to be able to return it really easily and just yes. take it back right there. And I was like, you know your stuff, girl. I, that is, uh, I'm not kidding. I, it's just, it was also very interesting <laughs> going into this with the experience of having my marketing goggles on and kind of how they use their campaigns to really get my attention. I, I noticed a lot. And one thing I'm going to share, because I really correlate this to, again, back to being a first-time prospect, being overwhelmed in the home building search process, I really mm-hmm. felt a connection to campaigns that involved myself kind of feeling that that connection with using the product, uh, kind of visualizing my, me in that situation. Um, you know, other things that stood out to me for a particular brand I tended to lean more toward were their user friendliness and organization of their website. And I found that I gravitated to brands that I only had a handful of quality options to choose from, much like floor plans offered in a home builders community. Did you find that when you found a product that you really liked, that you were drawn to see what other things that company, like gone yes. company did, loyal? I found that I definitely did. And that's funny you mentioned that because I almost thought to myself, you know, am I kind of sticking, you know, shoot myself in the foot here? Because if I end up not liking the product, I have like three other things from there too. But based uh-huh. off of reviews and quality, I really feel comfortable with leaning more toward one brand. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that of being able to shortcut saying, I've already done this research in this brand. So as long as the reviews aren't overwhelmingly negative or cause concern, it, you know, all things being equal now, if there's a product that kind of looks like it could be good with the brand you already know and have trusted or purchased something from mm-hmm. or this new competitor, you're going to, by default, probably go with the one, you know, I do that with camera equipment, right? Yeah. I'm going to naturally continue to buy stuff from uh, Sony or Manfrotto or uh, Peak Design or because I've had previous experience with their product. And as long as the reviews are saying that it's on par or better, then it's kind of a no-brainer shortcut. I was going to even say word of mouth. A lot of that Uh too, it it made me also realize the user's experience, you know, a lot of other moms, what they're recommending and 
And that to me was huge, was, was having yeah. that brand recognition, not only from the digital aspect of it, but verbal word of mouth too. Um, my story time is based upon an Earl Nightingale quote. My dad actually used to play Earl Nightingale tapes or audio cassettes. I think uh, it was Earl Nightingale. Um, Never give up on a dream just because of the time it will take to accomplish it is the quote, because the mm-hmm. time will pass anyway. So Ooh. why that Deep. quote and I like how it. does it relate to the story? One of the first builders that I went to go see, I won't say their name, they had multiple owners. And one of the owners, I got in the room and he said, oh, I'm actually gonna have to censor it. But he, he basically said, why are you blankety blank here? I don't even know. Wh- why are, Why did we pay for you to come out here, Kevin? <laughs> mm. I'm, you know, welcome. Right. And why are you here? And I said, well, you know, part of the reason I'm here is to help you get a better understanding of what's happening within your company. And he's like, well, we're selling, we're selling really well. So again, why are you here? So, but you don't know how or why you're selling. You have no clue of the metrics or the data. You have some assumptions, but you don't understand. And that's actually one of the side benefits of having an online sales position. And what we're going to help you do here is that you're going to have the exposure to data that you're going to be able to trust and rely on because it's one person and teaching one person a single process is easier. Man, all that, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was reminded of that because I went to go see another builder recently. And I've just got, I've got the stats right here in front of me. I feel like... Uh, talk radio hosts. So just in the past, let's say 10 days, they had 390 web leads that were going straight to salespeople. It's a lot. 129 wow. walk-in traffic units, obviously going straight to the salesperson in the model home. Mm-hmm. And there were only 12 names of the 129 walk-ins added into the CRM system. Wow. So roughly, you know, just under 10% of oh, those right. folks who came in the model home that were reported by the sales team were in the system. And those 390 that were being head fed to them directly from online, from best that we could understand currently, you know, uh, a handful of emails and calls were made, but nowhere near even 10% of the what was coming in. Wow. And so then I had, I got, a, I, I got back in town a couple, couple weeks ago, and I have another call with this client that I told you about at the beginning, where they said, why are you here? And this is now four years later. And I shared that story to them. And I said, remember when this was you? And they were like, I mean, just big grin on their face. Yeah, we remember when that was us. And doesn't it feel better now? Yes. And was it hard? And was it a lot of work? Yes. But to circle back around to Earl's quote, you know, the time is going to pass anyway. And Mm -hmm. it's just on all these big things that seem like, my gosh, you got to get all the sales team involved. You got to get multiple departments working together. And we've got to get maybe a new CRM system in place. And um, this is just so, but the time is going to pass anyway. So get to work so that four years later, you can be like these folks and smiling, happy, knowing that you have the data to rely on and make good business decisions. Right. Love Very it. Very true. Very true. That's a lot of leads with no action. <laughs> and that, and that <laughs> is also and a lot of leads. Yeah, a lot of sales that is. That, I, I kid, be, yeah, um, not kid, but I remember someone went to one of the Jeff Shore training classes and they were at a table. They were telling me the story and they said, well, how many leads do you get? And they said, you know, well, not very many, like 20 or 30. And then they had to clarify that's in a week. And the other people at the table were like, oh my gosh, I would love to have that much in a month. And then, so it's all relative, right? So uh, to them, so though, they're still yep. saying we need all. So then they can't analyze it. They don't know. They don't know where the opportunity necessarily is, mm-hmm. but it is a lot of traffic for sure. On to the news. To the news. This first one, I was so excited about it. I need to say what it is first. Then I'll tell you how excited. It's so Facebook <laughs> is introducing 3D photos. So yeah. they have three yeah. 360 on that everyone can upload to Facebook. Mm-hmm. Now there are 3D photos, which I haven't really seen them t- too much out in the wild, except for Mm-mm. one example I saw this morning. I sent yeah. it to all of us marketing people at yeah. DIC. 
And I'm like, this is so cool. Check out. It was a picture of a dog and it was like a golden doodle, except it had like, it was really strange. Like, I don't know if they dyed the hair. I have no idea, but <laughs> it was a dog. And how it works is you take a picture on an iPhone. So it has to be an iPhone and portrait mode. Facebook gets that picture file. Somehow they're able to render the 3D look mm. because there's two lenses on the that uses the portrait mode. Yeah. So uh, by default, it. the iPhone portrait mode is already they're They're creating a fake blur background, right? Mm -hmm. It's not right. the lens of the camera is not truly creating that blur. It's, it's figuring out what is in the foreground and making the background blur. And somehow they're, they're taking that data and translating it using AI to create this, this really cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's almost like a parallax background, if you're familiar mm -hmm. with that. Like when you're going through your mm -hmm. feed, I'm like, whoa, 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 what is this? Except like it moves with like it moves against the background. So you have like the portrait mode, you have the blurred background and the foreground, the yeah. subject. It's moving against the background somehow. It, it looks it's crazy. so cool. It's, it, I, I, it, I didn't realize that portrait photo photos when taken on the iPhone. They, you know, much like the 3D photos having those depth maps that they, the portrait photos have layers that are automatically yeah. part of that file. So when you mm -hmm. upload it to Facebook, it breaks apart those layers. Uh, that is so cool to me. Yeah, it's almost like the Xbox camera that, I mean, it has depth sensing. And that's why there are applications even out there now and I, um, that you can download for your iPhone. I'm sure Android as well lets you 3D scan objects and mm -hmm. um, create AR or, or VR environments. And this is tech that Facebook has had now for probably a year and a half because they showed this off in their Oculus Hangout uh, example of, mm -hmm. uh, I remember when they streamed this a while ago, they took a picture of a room and they were able to show you things in the room that they would have no way of knowing that it was there. Um, and so they're, they're bringing this now to, to Facebook. It's not everyone can view them right now. And we'll put the link to the one that Andrew shared with us in, in the show notes. But um, you won't be able to take them on your own. It's, it's an ongoing rollout over the next couple of weeks, mm -hmm. they said. So yep. you won't be able to add yours in yet because uh, that was the first thing I did was I ran down to my sunroom, took a, a market <laughs> proof or a do you convert coffee mug? And I was like, I'm going to make a 3D coffee picture right now. <laughs> yep. Uh -huh. uh, and then you upload it, yet, it. And so. I'm like, oh, it's not there. Yeah, that's, I was disappointed. Mm -hmm. I was going to yeah. say that video and also it breaks it down. It makes it look so easy to do. I, Kevin, it's funny you said that because I jumped on and started looking to see if I could do the same thing and definitely a little bit more complicated that they're rolling that out in the long run. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. All right. What's next? Oh, this is like a, re a re revival yes. of, the, of lead form ads. Okay. Um, yeah. Yes. So, Tell me so, why I should be excited about this and not just delete it from. Well, I don't know. Right I don't now. know yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yet. The only cool thing is you can add instant forms, is what they're calling it, to different campaign objectives. Mm -hmm. So if you have a, a a reach campaign, super common for remarketing, or mm -hmm. a traffic campaign going, you can add the forms in that campaign, so you don't have to make yep. a lead These campaign. Useless forms that get information that people didn't mean to give you. Is That's that what right. you're telling? Yes. And it can now, <laughs> yes. so is this a feature upgrade or is this a downgrade? Like, I just. I don't know. It's just yeah. interesting that they brought it back to life. Yeah. Found it's, this. It's, yeah. So it's, I'm it's like, oh, very I interesting. Like, don't, don't find this. This is terrible. But it's, I'm like, what are they doing? Facebook? I, to something. me, I think of it as, you know, anything, any new concept that they're breathing life back into it makes you wonder because there's something behind the scenes that they're thinking this is a a huge thing to to bring back and a lot of this the way that they're approaching it so if well yeah i it's it's just one let me just say again this is like 
poison. It's like rat poison for marketers. If you pick this up right now, I'm telling you what is going to happen is in the next in six months or less, these are going to go away or be completely changed again, because I think what they're doing (laughs) is they're trying to help marketers who Mm -hmm. are being tasked with generating leads to be able to turn these back on and quickly say, again, look, I got all these $2 leads. Aren't I, aren't I the best marketer ever? Yep. And then nothing's going to happen with them. They're junk because they'll, or even consumers are just going to get super annoyed and ticked off when suddenly, because again, what happens, they're clicking sign up. It's automatically filling in their contact information. And, and a lot of people are trying to simply close the window or get out of it. And they're submitting information they don't even know they're submitting, which Mm -hmm. is different than on a home builder website where you're having at least to type it in. Not that we would want to gate basic pricing or, or information like that, but it's it's totally different when when it's automatically filled in. And so there's going to be backlash. There's going to be negative repercussions. It'll go away. Yeah. Uh, I'm almost positive. And if what's really interesting, Andrew, is this goes against with what our insider connection at Facebook had told us about two months ago, which was that these were vastly improved uh, mm. because we explained that we were not fans mm-hmm. because of our experience. Yeah. And she said at the time, well, we've actually added additional clarification to slow people down and make it more clear what is happening and give them yeah. context and kind of, are you sure? But this video that ad is on Adweek does none of that. It is literally, you click sign up, it fills it in, you hit yep. submit and you're done. Mm-hmm. And that is no bueno. Do not yeah. do it, folks. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. just don't. <laughs> it's naughty. It's, it's interesting. It. So this, this was news story slash public uh, a PSA. PSA. Yes. Of, <laughs> it's not a new thing. This is the old lead ad yep. form rebranded by Facebook and added on to more campaign types. But yes, it, that's go, it the, goes back to yeah. the, the the trends that we warn everybody not getting suckered in right away about. Mm-hmm. So this could be counted as one of those. Yeah. Now, I, I'm all for being shown to that there is a possibility of a better way to do this or shoot us a note at show it. Do you convert? And say, nope, I can lead ad forms are working and I can prove it. I would love to love to talk with, to you. Yeah, with mm-hmm. appointment data. So like leads. <laughs> right. To show for it, yes. Yeah, because we <laughs> could, unless you just want to show off, I, if someone had like sub like 10 cent leads, I think that'd be, be a waste of time and money. <laughs> but that'd be like, oh, look, that's neat. And that's it. But don't, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't do mm-hmm. it. Nope. Man, 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 man. All right. So what's next? This is and uh, rest in peace, uh, Google Plus. This is from marketingland.com. But Google is shuttering Google Plus following undisclosed data exposure. Closure will happen in August of 2019. Oh, so it's 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 on the way out so far. It's It's not immediate. Yep. Nope. They're giving you a time, you know, to get all that precious content somewhere else from your Google Plus profile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all have one because I made you have one. Wasn't yep. there like Google Wave before Google Plus? Did they just, they just kept changing the name. I well, there was, was Buzz, right? I think yeah. that's what it was called. Um, oh yeah, Buzz, 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 Buzz. Yeah, but you know, and, and for a while your Google Plus account did, you know, article uh, for authors and attribution to articles. That was a big SEO. There's been lots of blips on the radar where Google Plus really did have an impact on SEO results for specific purposes or industries, but it's it's not something we're going to miss, but Mm-mm. it's also something that if you see the headlines, you want to make sure that you're not nervous about what do I need to do? Really nothing. Just, no. just let it die. Um, Google My Business is where you should be spending mm-hmm. uh, most of your time oh, for the yeah. same guidance of things that you used to worry about Google Plus for. Google Plus. Oh, man. <laughs> right? Who knew even knew we'd be talking about that? All right, let's take a quick break and we come back. We are going to talk about pre-sale without fail. A new book just launched. We're gonna break it apart, talk about the differences between the ebook and the real book. 
there's a whole bunch of people listening. Got it right here. Who probably have no idea what it even is. <laughs> they should. Because this podcast reaches a, a little bit of a different, wider audience than we typically talk to. So we'll break down pre-sale without fail, how you can use it as a builder, how you can't, and all the rest. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Just full disclosure, this is not the most exciting way to start out. I am tired. I'm, I'm, I've, I've been on the run for a couple of weeks, <laughs> doing more travel than necessary. Um, Weather changes, and, yeah, fall so, up there in Ohio. Yeah. Like, you know what? I, I guess, yeah, I, I did actually write that book. That wasn't a dream. So, <laughs> my, you know, my, Mike's like, wait a minute. Uh, we sent an email out earlier this week. It was kind of the first public announcement. Of course, people who came to the summit got a copy and mm -hmm. in the Market Proof Marketing Group, you saw that it was available. But the first public announcement was made that the book even existed via an email with little fanfare. And my client's like, wait a minute, you wait, that's all you're going to do. You're just like, hey, there's this book. And so I thought, yeah, no, we probably should talk about it. I'm not a self-promotion. It makes me awkward to talk about my own thing. So that's why I'm glad you two are here. Yeah. yeah. We'll make Absolutely. you talk about it. Help me through yes, this. We will. And I'm tired. So just, you know, <laughs> we'll drag uh, it out of you. Help, help bring yeah. my energy level up here to, to wrap the week. Absolutely. So first, just quick opening of what is pre-sale without fail for those of you who don't know. It's a system that was created um, back during my days at Heartland Homes. It was definitely a, a collective effort between sales, marketing, operations, um, online sales. It's a way to launch new communities and new phases of existing communities in a predictable uh, way for maximum results. Of course, we want results, but really, prior to that, there was no resource that I could find that you know opening up a model home for home builders is no big deal. They do it all the time. New community, we can build the model home more or less in our sleep. We might argue about the color of the couch or the color of the walls or something about the target market, mm -hmm. but. It gets built and it opens and it has everything we need in it. Whereas a new community was just this complete disaster of a process of when is it going to launch? We don't know. What's the price point going to be? We don't know. What's the product going to be? It's in development. It'll be ready sometime soon. And there was just this complete nebulous, unknown, just we'll figure it out. And every time it felt terrible as someone who likes organization and process. And we had one community that was very successful called Orchard Park, I believe at the time in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And they sold 12 or 14 homes in one day. And everyone said, well, that's because there was pent up demand in that marketplace. And so that's just what happened. We, we happened to get lucky. We bought the right piece of ground at the right price, put the right home on it. And there's so much demand that that's just what happened. And I, I just couldn't accept it. Uh, and so I, I tried to look at the process that the team at the time, this is right when I started at Heartland in 2007, try to analyze it, figure it out. And then I had gone to this conference called Brandworks in Madison, Wisconsin, where I got to see Caldini and Ariely, Dan Ariely speak to the most important authors and thought folks that I ha have impacted my career personally. And they were talking about these psychological weak points in the brain, how to influence people ethically, of course, but how to influence them to make them do and then how irrational we are as human beings. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this all just fell in. I've, I've been analyzing this process. And these two folks just gave me all of the data points and examples and hard facts to, to go back to that process and try to apply what they were talking about. You know, lightning struck. It worked. 
on our next community launch. It worked on our next one. And then when we really knew it worked was we had this community that was awful. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but there was a there was a community called Brookfield Manor was what it was called, right, Jackie? Because yes. Jackie yes. was a terrible was... name. I think. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Sorry if you're listening in Pittsburgh and you live in Brookfield Manor. It's a great community. Bethel Park, good schools. But it was a community where salespeople went to die. The entire previous year, yeah. it had only sold eight eight homes. Ooh. And we put this process to work and they sold eight homes on the first day as compared to eight homes over the previous 12 months. And that's when we really knew, okay, we've got something here. Um, so that's that's where this comes from. It was all born out of actually, you know, being on the front line as a home builder, working as a team, sales, marketing operations, trying to make it work. So that's that's what the book is. It's a predictable process to launch communities with with maximum results. Now, real quick, what it is not, and then we'll turn it over to, to some group conversation. It is not a magic bullet. It cannot fix your broken community. It doesn't fix stupid, ugly, or greedy. So stupid, right? We're going we're gonna to try to sell $600,000 townhomes surrounded by $150,000 townhomes. It will not make that problem go away of, of being drastically outside of the market. It's not a one size fits all approach either. It's it is let me say that again because it's really important to me personally is it's not a one size fits all approach. It's not a magic bullet. It's more like a choose your own adventure and what I try to do in the book and in the process is to let you know the trade-offs that you will be making if you go in one direction or another. It is perfectly okay to not use 100% of this process, just know the trade-offs that you're making. And um, it's okay to iterate and create your own version of this process. So I don't, there's no part of me that wants to show up to a builder three years from now and have them tell me, we use your process exactly as you say in the book. Because if you've used it for a couple of years, you should have made adjustments along the way and learn from it every time, just like you learn every time you build a model home. So choose your own adventure and adapt, I do recommend, though, just starting with it exactly as is the first time, because that's, again, the, the base process is sound and, and it just flat out works. It's something that marketing cannot do on its own. You cannot just buy the book and decide as a marketing department that you're going to bring order to this chaos. It requires operations, sales and marketing to all be on the same page. So those are the things I just want to get right out of the way of it is not a magic bullet. It's not a one size fits all approach. And it's not something that marketing can do on its own. It's going to take teamwork. Okay, so sweet. Whew, that was uh, that, that was a lot. But, Beautiful. Um, just want to get those things out of the way Absolutely. before we get going here. So, Kevin, you've told us what it is not. Can uh -huh. you tell us more of what it is? Like maybe like an outline of of the process or, sure. or something to digest yeah. that I can hold on to. You bet. So, at its highest level. You know, it is an organized process. It's now, again, in written book form. That's the big upgrade. Okay. It, it, it was an ebook since 2011. And we had updated it a couple times, but it had always been made completely free, available to everybody. It downloaded uh, over 3,500 times uh, out there. But people have kept asking me, uh, do you have a printed copy of the book? And I would email them back and say, hit print on print. the PDF. That's, and it will, that's one way to print it. It will become a, a printed copy. <laughs> um, but it's, it's designed to help you sell. What I say, my guarantee is that you will sell 30% more homes using the methods in this book or sell at higher profit margins than you would have without it. So 30% more in volume of sales than any other sales process that you're currently using to launch a new community or at higher profit margins or some combination of the two. And again, it's just an organized and documented process there that can be iterated on and learned from uh, over time. So it's a lot of bit about getting organized and the information you need to know and what you don't need to know. And, and really just, again, like a choose your own adventure, what is the next step to be taken in the process? We talked about a little bit about this idea in the uh, marketing calendar discussion last week, right? Is mm -hmm. it's not going to tell you in 12 days from now, 
exactly to do X. It's going to say the next step of the process after you complete X is going to be Y. And here's how to prep for it and, and execute on it. Gotcha. Very Fun. cool. Oh, yeah. one more question yeah. for you, because I have the book right in yeah. front of me because obviously I was at the summit. <laughs> Could you do like a quick, like not each detail, but like the run, like the overall, like the phases of the pre-sale process, yeah. like just boom, 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 boom. Cause you could, yeah. you could obviously talk all day about every little, every phase. Yeah, absolutely. Permitting phase is, is what we call, you know, step one, which is building the list and getting everything organized and leading up to a preview event where we're going to unveil a hundred percent of the information available um, to everyone. So the pre-construction phase, getting everything organized, getting things ready, building your list. The construction phase is the countdown and specific items 30 days prior to the preview event, all the way leading up to two days after the preview event. And the preview event is really the most important part of the process. The preview event is when everyone comes together to get all of the information about the community. They see the eyeballs of all the other prospects, and that's when urgency is truly built. You're going to build it along the way with messaging and telling them about the interest and the, and how many people are on the list, et cetera, but they're not going to believe you because you're a marketing or a salesperson. When they see everyone else in the room, that's when it when they believe it. And so we've got the pre-construction phase, the construction phase, which is all about that event and leading up to it and just after it. And then the closing table phase, which is how do you keep that momentum going uh, after that preview event into the grand release and beyond. Those are the three major, major steps, you know, building the list, activating the list, getting them to that preview event, running that well, and creating the urgency to then get sales at the grand release. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Very that cool. makes sense. So coming soon, landing pages, get them to the review event. Boom. From there, you find out who's ready and then they come to the grand release. And Kevin, that's one thing I absolutely love about your book, being kind of more of a visual marketer in that sense. I love that you have timelines and breakdowns of the different stages of this that a lot of people could really benefit from. Um, I think of this as like kind of marketing. This is like a Bible. Like this is kind of that little bit of that piece of information that I find would be so helpful for anyone either starting off or just needing additional help or information. So do you have any stories or examples that you could kind of apply pre-sale without sale to? The best stories I think that people... Uh, find the most entertaining are obviously stories about builders actually doing the process, of course, because mm -hmm. I get a lot of talk about, hey, you know, we, we're really interested in this idea, but we're either we're scared about this part of it or, you know, uh, ownership was all bought in. And then at the last minute, they said, start selling tomorrow, just release it all. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. we, we were bought into that idea and then something changed and they just wanted to just sell like normal. Go ahead. And And that often happen. So, you know, I don't want to give names, but I'll just give a couple different stories or examples of how um, people have used part of the process well, or when they finally realized that they needed to just try it all from start to finish the way that I'm describing at least one time to really give it, give it a go. One was someone who used that pre-construction phase. That's, that's the one that everyone understands and they, they buy into. Okay, yeah. Kevin, I, I agree. I need to build a list. I need to nurture that list. They usually don't know how to do that, you know, mm -hmm. but they, they know that it should be done. And where they st start to stray off is at the construction phrase um, where you're now leading them, you know, releasing the information, right? So the build the list part, you're not releasing information. And again, everyone's happy with that because they don't even know what would be released. So they're, mm -hmm. they're happy to do that part. But this one time there was a townhome community in, in location in Charlotte. They had 
several hundred people on their VIP list. And at the preview event, which typically you would be releasing all of the home site information, the lot dimensions, the specific site map layout, home site premiums, all of the details about the property and, and the land. Before that, usually we'll release the base pricing information and the, and the floor plans so that people can start to shop and make a decision, just like you were Talking about the the baby process, uh, process looking through all the baby yeah. different items. You know, people need time mm -hmm. to process this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what had happened is that the preview event they had a great turnout, and they had forty five people come up and give a check or some money of some kind to get in a priority list. Mm -hmm. And this is where things start to go south. So mm -hmm. I got a phone call in the middle of dinner, uh, excitedly. And they said, Kevin, you're not going to believe it. This Your process works. This is amazing. <laughs> and so tell me more about that. No, go ahead. Tell me again. They were just super excited because they had these 40 plus reservations from that night. But then what ended up happening, and I warn people about this in the book and when I talk about it, is uh, homebuyer number one went to the first appointment and decided, you know, they got cold feet. They didn't buy. Number two showed up. Well, wait, what? which unit did number one buy? Oh, uh, you know what they did? They didn't buy. Oh, really? And what ended up happening is they they were not able to capitalize on that interest because they started to get the, this negative momentum built up mm -hmm. the other way. Because if you know you're 20th in line, you're nervous and your urgency is high. Mm. But when you show up and there's only two homes sold, mm. then your psychology starts, the herd mentality works against you. It's true. Wait a minute. I thought the yeah. herd was heading towards this being the, the place to buy. And now the herd looks like they're running the other direction. And this is, this is a challenge for, for the home buyer to overcome. Mm -hmm. And so that's the one that I tell as an example a lot, because people are really uncomfortable with this concept of there is no priority list. You are not first in line. And what we say is, you know, interest uh, does not make you a good buyer, right? If I, just because I call up and I'm the first one to say, I really want to know more, more about that community. And I promise I'm going to be the first one to buy does not mean we should hold something mm -hmm. off the market or promise that person a place in line. Big, big mistake. Yep. Another story that I like to tell is someone who, and this is on me, right? I'm a terrible author. Uh, thankfully, editors helped me out on the actual book. But the ebook had definite holes in it, not by uh, intentionally being poorly written, just, just was. And so a gentleman, a good friend of mine, who was a full believer in the process, tried it as stated in the ebook, and they withheld 100% of the information until that event. So people showed up to an event not knowing if it was townhomes, single family, having no idea of price point, having never seen the floor plans. Oh they didn't know anything about it at all other than this builder is going to buy or build in this location. And then they said, okay, so here's all the information and sales start in 24 hours. Oh my gosh. And it was a disaster because everyone felt like this was a used car salesman, mm -hmm. high pressure approach, which was not the brand of this organization. And so that is another, you know, that at times is still when people get comfortable of having lots of people on that list, oftentimes they'll say, you know what, if a thousand people are on my VIP list, Maybe I'll just open up for sale on Saturday and just let all the information out. And it's it's not a good one of the things we talk about with our builder partners is surveying people on that list. And mm -hmm. it's just a real tangible example of even if a hundred people love your offering, if if all hundred of them have a house to sell and haven't begun that process at all, they can't buy this weekend. Yeah. Right? They have to sell their existing home first. And so by spreading the this process out over a couple of weeks of when you're really engaging with them on product and, and home site information. Mm -hmm. And it gives them time to think and process 
and prepare to take the next step once you actually do open. So those are two not fun stories. Not fun. Yeah, what's the fun stories? Uh, the, yeah, yeah, the, the fun stories. Yeah, the, the fun stories are ones where, you know, I just get an email out of the blue. I remember, I don't remember the gentleman's name off the top of my head, unfortunately, but um, he used this process actually for an apartment complex in Seattle like six years ago. Interesting. And pre-sold um, over 50% of all of the, and I mean, hundreds of units, pre-sold over 50% of them in in a 48 hour period using the same process wow. uh, and and it really could be adapted to almost any product but that that was definitely a fun one because they literally had just taken exactly what i wrote and didn't really ask any questions just did it and, and it works so that's always a that's always a fun one one that we've worked with through this process with was a, a builder who did 45 roughly 45 million dollars in revenue in a single day uh, in in that opening opening day nice Um, we've got a, another, yeah. Uh, and it's a lot of work. So I should have, that should have been my, one of these things. This is not, but this is not a, you know, put in a couple extra hours and it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, it's like a wedding. Yeah. It's weddings, a baby. Yep. And I I was going to say, Kevin, you've explained it's a journey, not a destination. You've said that before Mm -hmm. where the energy and the effort you put in is not only just the beginning, it's that following through the whole way. Exactly right. I remember one time my pastor used the analogy of taking care of a car and he was a real big car guy and his cars lasted forever. And people would say, man, your car lasts like, it looks like it's brand new. It runs great. And it's 15 years old. How do you do that? And he's like, oh, it's real easy. And, and you know, you change the oil every 3000 miles, you change the filter X, you do this with the lubrication and you change the belts here and you do this. And he's, he said, every time he has that conversation, after he gets to like the third or fourth thing, everyone's eyes glaze over and they're like, oh, never mind. That's a lot of work. And so I don't promise that this is going to be easy the first time you do it, mm-hmm. but it's a question of, how much work are you willing to put in one to get 30% or more re- sales results the first time you try it and, and follow those steps and two, start creating a process where it will get easier every other time that you do it, mm-hmm. right? Because organizationally, everyone begins to know their part. Land understands, the land department understands when they need to deliver and lock in certain information. Operations understands and stops pushing to sell tomorrow and understands, hey, if I wait two more weeks, I'll have a better result. Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely... It definitely is like a wedding in that there's a lot of prep work. The The payoff is worth it, though. Another fun story, we just recently had a master plan community where they had over 150, and, and this is what I call house in the sky appointments, where 150 people prior to the preview event went through and had pricing appointments where they saw all the floor plans, picked a floor plan or two, went through the structural options, and the salesperson was able to ask questions about what are you looking for in a home site? Do you want to be in a cul-de-sac? Do you want to face this direction? Learn all that information about 150-ish people prior to actually telling them what the final price would be with home site premiums, uh, delivery dates, all those things. Can just what I call it is, you know, it's it's playing poker while you can see the all the cards yeah. in the hands of your opponent. Gotcha. What is the big advantage of learning all of that beforehand? Mm-hmm. Like before yeah. any of the the big preview event, like in, in regards to like mm-hmm. the home site preference and things like that. Yep. So the transition point from the pre-construction to the construction phase is what we call the OSC launch. And the OSC launch is where you're taking that list, you're telling them that the product information is now available on the website with base price information. And they can start setting individual appointments with the sales team to talk about the homes. And we call it the house in the sky meeting because it's like you lift the house up out of the property because we're not going to answer or talk to anything about the home sites, the premiums, the dimensions, locations, et cetera. 
we're just 100% focused on the house itself. And so one, it, it splits the amount of decisions that need to be made by the consumer into two parts, the home site and the home. And we're going to focus on the home first. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And so then when I learn what they want in a home site, the main thing that it helps you overcome is that if someone looks at a site map and has no experience as a home builder, they're just going to look at the biggest mm -hmm. uh, biggest home site on the map and say, that's the one I want, or the one that only has one neighbor, or the one on the cul-de-sac. And so people are always worried, Andrew, in this process of, I'm just going to get 10 people who all want the home, same home site, mm. and everyone's going to be upset and frustrated and angry. Gotcha. And I can only sell that once, so I'm losing yeah. out on a bunch of sales. When I can see the whole um, hand of cards they're playing with, the consumer, and I, I already spent a half hour to an hour pricing out a home and mm -hmm. the op options, and they, I know that they're comfortable with that pricing and they love the, the house that they've built with me. Mm -hmm. And they tell me that, you know, they really don't, they want a good, nice yard, but they don't want something too big because they don't love mowing the lawn. And they want to make sure that they get evening sun on the back of the house for whatever reason. And they don't want to be too far in the back of the community. And oh, by the way, I definitely don't want to spend more than $5,000 on a home site premium. So those are all relatively broad general statements about the type of home site they want. Mm -hmm. And now the salesperson has all that information. They can go back and we have a, a planning meeting that's part of the process where we say, okay, who is the best prospect we have? And it's the Oakley family. Okay. They're going to build the most expensive home with the most options. That's right. They don't have a home to sell. They're ready to start building immediately what is the best home site for the Oakleys? And you're going to proactively choose based upon what they told you they wanted and say the best home site for the Oakleys is going to be home site seven, maybe home site nine. Okay, so then when we move to the Peak family and it's similar, we can push and pull people away from home sites because at that preview event, when I see the Andrew family and I'm the salesperson, I already know that the Oakleys have fallen in love with home site seven. I can tell Andrew, Peak, and, and, and Lindsay if I were you and I was going to build the Stanford here at Happy Acres, knowing what you want in a home site, you know, you said you wanted X, Y, and Z, I would, I would pick home site 10. Mm -hmm. And that authority, which is one of the principles that Caldini talks about in his book, Influence, that the authority of saying, I'm a professional home builder who's been involved in hundreds of sales uh, and construction of homes for families like you. If it were me, I would build here is incredibly powerful in preventing that overlap from occurring. Mm -hmm. And even if they get interested in the same home site that the Oakleys want, I can remind them of, of all the things that they've already told me. And that law of consensus, another piece from, from Caldini's book, says that they want to agree with things they've said previously to you. God. And so we find that eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 times when you follow that process, you do not have to worry about people overlapping home sites. Makes sense. You're playing Tetris with everybody. You, you get to do it exactly beforehand. Right. And so you go, here we go. Here's the master plan. I imagine that mm -hmm. probably keeps more sales because everyone's just happy and just keeps on blowing. Yeah. Out. And, and you know, you're playing Tetris with them, but they do no. not. And so their urgency level for home site 10, the peaks are still freaking out that everyone else is going to want home site 10. Mm -hmm. Whereas you, the salesperson, know that you're doing your darndest to make sure that uh, if there is someone else on who's interested in home site 10, they already know that there's other interests, which sometimes just saying, hey, there are other people, you know, really hot on that one. They'll say, oh, well, then I don't want to get involved in that. Right. Yep. Um, but but. The salesperson knows that the customer doesn't, so the urgency level remains as high as if yeah. as if they had no clue. That makes sense. Cool. Definitely. That sounds like fun. Yes. <laughs> it's like playing this, like playing The Sims. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> 
The other great thing in terms of stories is that there's a whole bunch of them in the book. You know, we have, I think there's five or six different folks from all around the country who we asked five or six questions to. We called the section real stories from the real world. The questions that we asked, as an example, were what was the biggest roadblock or struggle that your team had when implementing Presale Without Fail? These weren't like puff questions of tell us how great this all was. <laughs> it was like, hey, let's be honest. What is, what's, what's really hard about this? And share your experience and how you worked around it, maybe successfully, maybe unsuccessfully, but just there are a lot more of those stories in, in the book too. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So I was going to say with all the success stories and that side of it, there's always an error mistake made. If something maybe isn't as successful, do you have any of those common mistakes or errors made? For sure. And this first one isn't going to sound like an error, but selling too much, selling too far out in front of yourself Mm -hmm. is a big problem. Mm -hmm. We, I remember one time I think our record was 28 homes in one day at oh Heartland. Mm-hmm. And we all got really excited. And then we, we went to the next start meeting the next week. <laughs> yep. We're talking about construction schedules and when can these homes start? And we're like, oh, crap. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, we, who's going to call those folks and tell them that their new home will not begin construction for five months? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so then the cancellation rate. So selling, selling too many uh, out of the gate without telling people about your construction process. Mm. And a real great line is just to say is, hey, in order to control and deliver quality homes, we only will begin construction of three homes a month in Happy Acres. And so this is part of the urgency of, of signing early and not being contingent is if your sale number nine, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, what that means is your home may not start for up to three months after the time you sign the contract. So you can get around it a little bit if you explain it up front, but selling too many mm-hmm. uh, too fast. I was the CEO of NVR. I remember when he bought, uh, when they acquired Heartland, Marty introduced me to him. His first statement was, oh, you're the guy, pre-sale guy, right? And I said, yeah, <laughs> I, I am. He said, we're just going to have to talk about this whole like selling 25 homes in a day thing. I go, no, we already learned that lesson, Paul. You don't have to worry <laughs> yeah, about it. going to happen. I understand. We don't want to do that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. just, you know, so what you really want to do is to try to sell around two to three months worth of start capacity and, and no more, ideally. Or if you do, clearly explain it. And also your pricing should be changing with that. So that's another common error is if you sell too many and you don't have any price increases at all, you're pushing those delivery dates out, your cost of goods. And so at the end of the day, uh, your division president, company owner is not going to be happy when they see the margins on sales 12 through 20, mm-hmm. right? because your costs will go up. You've locked in pricing. Right. Um, I already talked about telling people they have a place in line. Um, that's just a huge, huge no-no. I've never seen that really go well. Uh, another big common error is telling the salesperson six months before their new community that they're going to get the new community because, oh, yeah. man, it, it makes them mentally go sideways. They're going to stop lose focus on what's in front of them, one. So you're going to get less productivity out of them. And, and the other piece is they will, by any means necessary, get all of the information or try to. And this isn't because they're bad people. It's because they're a salesperson. They want information to be able to tell their prospects that they might meet or realtors who ask them. And so what I always recommend is don't tell the salesperson who's going to get that community until a couple weeks before you do the OSC launch. That way there's what's called plausible deniability. And so when someone sees them in the grocery store and says, hey, I understand you're going to be the salesperson at Happy Acres, they can say, well, I don't know. Or, well, what are the floor plans you're going to build? I don't know, right? Just There is freedom in being able to just say, I really don't know. They won't even tell me yet. Because if the salesperson finds out and again, this doesn't mean they're a bad salesperson. It's just human nature. If they have a copy of the site map in their office desk drawer, Jackie, yeah. when someone walks in and says, 
well, c- do you have a site map available? They're going to be like, hey, don't show anybody. Look here. Yeah. Uh, don't, yeah. <laughs> Very you, yeah, true. Don't take pictures, but I'm going to let you. And so that <laughs> yep. whole process of withholding information to release it when you want to, when it's confirmed and to get the type of outcome you want, you're going to lose that control. So true. Same. So, sometimes that even is a problem with owners. I've had, <laughs> we've had this scenario where everything's going great. And then the owner says, well, I've got friends and family, and so I want you to go ahead and let them buy a house mm. two weeks before everybody else. No. Figure it out. I mean, I, you know, oh, that's, oh, yeah. That's awkward. All the time. Don't do all this time. Explain to those people how they get a chance to, to buy before everybody yeah, else. Yeah, you have the grand release now, and like already three of the best home sites already off the site map. That does not look good. Yep. You quit. You oh, run away. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So just to wrap up here. Uh, since we're right around the, the limit on time. For those of you who have read the ebook and are thinking, well, is the book just hitting print, Kevin? It is not. There is about 25% more content in the book itself, 25-30% more content. And it's all been revised. It's actually readable. Grammar is mostly correct, although I'm sure I'll get an email about something <laughs> in there being wrong. Um, it makes sense. As an example, the ebook did not talk about the OSC launch at all. Mm. I didn't I would do a presentation and People would be like, "Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense." Mm-hmm. And I know, I when I was talking to the editor, I said, "Well, I guess it's just because I'm such a good presenter." And she said, "No, it's because you didn't even talk about that thing that you said was so critical in the book at all." So, oh. um, one, it's it's just better. It's flat out better, and it's and it's accurate and 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 correct. Um, but uh, that's in there. We already talked about the stories are in there. And a lot more examples on the marketing side than was in the ebook. So we we do show examples of landing pages and uh, show a, a diagram that actually Jackie built mm-hmm. on what is a landing page and what are the elements of it. What if what do Facebook ads look like um, for That's now right. until Facebook decides it's to change really, it again? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's really a lot all more there. Uh, like marketing. Every yeah, everything. it is all there. Pretty cool. Yep. Um, the book, you know, it's not a moneymaker thing. It is available on Amazon as a Kindle or direct download. If I were to make any money on it, which I um, eh, shouldn't be too self-deprecating, but <laughs> it's all going to be donated to the poverty, uh, the orphans and the and the people struggling in Guatemala. So it's it's not a yeah, it'll if you do buy the book, it, just know it'll be going towards uh, two good causes, your <laughs> your yeah. self-improvement. Yeah. And, exactly. Um, right. And that's the you were just there this summer working with that group that you talk about. I think people miss that. They're yep. like, what's this thing that Kevin's talking about in Guatemala? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so it's called Suffer the Children uh, Guatemala. And what they do is they provide feeding centers for it's it's the third most malnourished country in the world. They have corn is really much all they eat, corn tortillas, and they eat 10 of those a day, but there's no nutritional value to it. And so everyone's really short because they can't grow mm. and their bodies don't don't grow tall. Um, so they, they, it's not that they're dying from starvation as much as malnutrition. So uh, vitamin fortified rice and beans, which they're super excited about, you know, feeding anywhere from 300 to 500 kids uh, in a particular village. I think they're working on a fourth village. They do that at three right now. They, they also do uh, help with school supplies because kids can't go to school to get to the feeding centers unless they have school supplies. They build homes for folks. Water, clean water is a big challenge. So yeah, just generally trying to make life better for those people down there is, sure. is the mission. Great. So yeah. yeah, great cause for sure. So buy like 10 of these books. <laughs> No. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Right. And and probably a good joke to end on. Uh, someone got a copy, a signed copy from the online summit 
and put it on Amazon as a used edition. And I don't know if it's still available or not, but I think it was 30, 39 bucks or so for the used copy oh of pre-sale without fail. Yes. So that is another way you could help is just buy 10 copies, resell them for $60 a piece, and then donate that money to suffrage. Awesome. Yep. That'll work too. It's like a pyramid scheme or something. Right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for our pre-sale without fail discussion. Again, links to the previous webinars and articles will be in the show notes. So if you have no idea what we're talking about still, you can go back and reference that. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with answers to last week's question of the week. Welcome back with the answers from the question of the week from last week. And the question was, what documents, dashboards, reports do you look at on a regular basis to tell you where marketing should be going? And this was a fun one because I got surprised by Shannon's answer. And listen to this one here. Shannon Ashley DeYoung. We currently create a custom dashboard ourselves. First surprise, custom dashboard. Awesome. Although I'd love to switch to a platform that automatically pulls this info for us, but we pull our website data, our CRM traffic source, our call tracking, our door counter app. That's what I would need to learn more about. <laughs> and welcome center traffic count, our social media data, and our Google ads information. That's quite a bit of stuff. Our yeah. OSC has a separate report that we are looking into syncing it up with ours so we're not duplicating efforts. So first... Definitely look into Data Studio if you're listening, mm -hmm. Shannon, because I didn't mm -hmm. notice that, that you're pulling all those manually to the custom dashboard. Yeah. Data Studio can definitely get every single one of those, maybe not the CRM info, but then at least you only have like one more thing. But the door counter app, ooh, fancy, fancy. Yeah. All right, very, very cool. cool. Also, an answer was from Meredith Oliver. She said, I like Dash This because it feeds in so many sources into one nice looking dashboard that also makes a great looking PDF, which is awesome. Yeah, it's not free. I think it's it's similar to, we've used different tools over the years. Raven Software has a tool uh, for Report reporting. Garden. We've used Report Garden in the past. It's it's not crazy expensive, but it's not free, but it does automate that stuff and and pull stuff in like she's talking into, to make a PDF, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And I was, I just generally, guys, I'm impressed with the fact that we took this straight to like, True nerd, like the tool that you use to create the dashboards. I was just saying, are you looking at sales information? Are you? I wasn't yeah. thinking we were even going to go in this direction. So this is really cool. All three of these folks we're reading here all talked about different types of dashboard tools. Stephanie Heilecker from Zillow said, we use Mode to pull in data via Google Analytics, among other platforms. Mode helps us visualize the data in much more insightful ways to draw conclusions and make decisions. It is, Mode is a, is a very flexible tool, but it does require programming, either thinking either SQL or yeah, either SQL or, or other languages. But once it's built, she says it is fantastic with sure. a smiley face. I've um, blocked all those out of my memory. Uh, <laughs> all the programming but, languages? Yeah. Yeah. But at times I'd be like, man, I really want XYZ. And I'm like, I know this is possible. Like if you know like the database, the table names, the like as far as what to pull. And like, I well, know you still right get to there. do some of that. And you can do that in Data Studio if you want, Andrew, all to your heart's content, you know, regular expression. <laughs> I forget and about all, that. Oh, yeah. No, yes. it's there well, it's, if you really, yeah. really mm, want to do it. Yeah. I could go down um, a rabbit hole of doing it. Yeah, <laughs> still my answer for dashboard tool would be Data Studio just because the mm -hmm. tool itself is free. I don't mm -hmm. have any fear of Google shutting it down anytime soon because attribution is really what they're ultimately wanting to get to with Data Studio is to be able to show better attribution. So I think it's here to stay and we'll just continue to get better already even 
there are some almost free tools uh, to pull in data from sources that don't naturally pull into Data Studio 2. Uh, Supermetrics is one that can be somewhat expensive if you go for larger packages. But I did notice recently there there are some other companies starting to make you know very inexpensive oh, five dollar a month, ten dollar a month for oh, individual that's... pieces that you want to pull in there. Mm-hmm. Nice and. My non-dashboard answer with looking at the sales tracker sheet, goal worksheet, weekly, monthly traffic reports, and appointment sheets from a custom lasso report. Those are the things that I mm. kept around in in my Franklin planner days before iPhones and <laughs> had it all at my fingertips. We'll put a link to Data Studio and the Supermetrics uh, tool for those of you who might be interested in, in looking at that. There are some great templates in there as well the data google data studio has just kind of built in to give you an idea of what's yeah. what's possible all right cool. this week's question of the week we'll do a poll we'll do a survey okay. somehow related to your previous experience opening new communities somewhere in the in the range of this is a piece of cake to i wanted to pull my hair out and the hair out of my uh, sales team and operations team kind of talking about your experiences with opening up new communities uh, with or without the preset program. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Andrew, why don't you take us out this week? For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It is also the best way to connect with all of us at Do You Convert. Mike, Kevin, Jen, Andrew, Jackie, Becca. That's all of us, right? I didn't miss anybody. If I did, yeah. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all the social media links are out there. <laughs> all up there. Until next week. Until next week. Have a great week. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you.